You're about to hear a message that was preached at Calvary Fellowship in Miramar, Florida. At Calvary, we exist to help people take their next step with God. And we pray that this message helps you do just that. What's up, Calvary? How's everybody doing today? It is great to be here with you. My name is Alex. I am the Connection Pastor uh, on staff here at Calvary. And um, I'm so excited to be sharing with you guys uh, this morning as we, as we give Pastor Baba a well-needed uh, break. Listen, uh, this is, uh, first of all, happy Sunday after Thanksgiving. Okay, because that's a thing, right? The Sunday after Thanksgiving. I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. I know Thanksgiving can be complicated for some. Uh, so uh, whatever your circumstance, I'm glad you're here today. So let me just share a little bit about myself. Just because, again, we don't get to talk much. We don't get to talk much. So let me tell you a little bit about my Thanksgiving. Uh, we had a great Thanksgiving. It was our first time having two uh, Thanksgiving meals. And for those of you that do the multiple Thanksgiving thing, like you go from, you know, you got a couple family, a couple, you know, stops uh, to make throughout the day every year. I don't know how you do it, especially if you're cooking. My wife and I had to cook for both, and it was exhausting. We had uh, Thanksgiving lunch at my mother-in-law's house, and then we later on that day, we had Thanksgiving dinner at my brother's house. Now, now my brother's house was a more, uh, what you call a typical uh, Thanksgiving. And when I say typical, we got to look at it through the lens of, um, I'm Cuban, my family is Cuban, so looking through it, you know, through that lens. Um, so typical for us is, you know, turkey, Mac and cheese, cornbread, uh, roast pork, rice and beans, yuca, and Cuban bread. Yes, two types of bread because two types of bread. And then, now that I recall, I think yuca was the only vegetable served. So that was Thanksgiving dinner. Now, at my mother-in-law's house uh, for lunch earlier that day, it was completely different. It was not a typical Thanksgiving. It was atypical. It was the opposite of typical. Now... Um, we did have mashed potatoes and green bean casserole. I brought uh, a green bean casserole, but that's about uh, it for your traditional Thanksgiving uh, fair. Listen, if I gave you guys 100 guesses at what the main dishes that were served, it would not be enough. So for the sake of time, for all of us, we're going to skip the guessing. I'll just tell you what they were. You guys ready for this? So main dish number one, roast lamb in Mediterranean spices. And for whatever reason, I'm thinking just to give it a little Thanksgiving flair, surrounded by sweet potatoes. That was number one. Uh, main dish number two, uh, uh, chicken uh, uh, franchise, 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 I, I don't know how to say it, um, but I'm sure you've seen it before. Uh, but yes, because, you know, nothing says Thanksgiving like chicken cutlets, like in an egg batter, pan fried in butter, drizzled with a wine and lemon sauce. Delicious, but not exactly Thanksgiving. But... The third and final main dish that, um, that we ate, um, and actually the surprise winner of the I Had No Idea This Was Going to Be That Good Award, Dominican Pastelon. All right. Okay. I gotta, I'm, getting, I'm getting some applause. I'm getting some nods of approval. I'm guessing from our, our Dominican friends or those that have Dominican friends. Uh, but for those of you who don't know, Dominican Pastelon, it's basically like a Dominican lasagna. All right. Yes. So instead of pasta, you've got mashed um, sweet plantains, you've got the seasoned ground beef and cheese, and that's just like in layers. It was out of this world. And honestly, I was, I mean, despite it not being a traditional Thanksgiving, I was glad I didn't have to eat the turkey twice. Um, once is, is, is more than enough. But now, you know, Thanksgiving it is over, and it is finally, officially 
Christmas season. Can I get an amen? Yes, yes. We've paid our respects to Thanksgiving. It's on to what everyone's really been waiting for, which is the Christmas season. Our tree has been up for over a week now. We had a tree up the week before Thanksgiving. So now when people see our tree is up, we don't get those looks that we did uh, before. But my wife wanted to make sure that we had our tree as early as humanly possible. So we had to call. And the day the tree farm place opened, we were there. I think we were one of their first customers. But tree was home and up for over a week. And listen, this is my favorite time of year. I remember uh, our first Christmas for Andrea and I, for my wife and I, was back uh, Christmas 1999. So you guys can do, do the math. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I was hoping that we didn't you know, say that out, out loud because when you hear it, it sounds like a lot more than it really is. But yes, way back when, Christmas 1999, where I worked, we had a gift exchange. Uh, you know, like a, like a secret Santa. And we decided that year to do things a little different. We decided to do, uh, create like a wish list. Um, and that way, whoever your secret Santa was could look at that list and get you something you actually wanted. Because to be honest, I didn't need another tie, I didn't need another wallet, and that was basically what I would get year after year. So, we get to put together this wish list. And on, next to my name on this wish list, I put one thing. The Matrix on DVD. Now, the original Matrix movie, um, which came out earlier that year and was released on, on DVD. Now remember, this is 1999. Uh, DVDs came out, the DVD technology kind of came out to the public somewhere around 1997. So at the time, it's new groundbreaking technology. It was also relatively expensive uh, technology. So Andre and I, now we didn't own a DVD player. And at the time, we really didn't know when we'd be able to get one. So why on earth would I ask for a gift that I could not use? I'll tell you why. Faith. See, I didn't know how and I didn't know when, but I knew it would happen. By faith, I put that matrix uh, on DVD on my secret Santa wish list. And by faith, that DVD, uh, once received, was placed prominently on our entertainment unit. And by faith, that DVD stayed there unused for months until we finally got our DVD player later that year. Very excited about that. But, but honestly, have you guys ever made a decision like that? You know, a decision today based on the hope of an expected outcome uh, tomorrow? I think we all do. I think we all do this every day. Every day we're making choices based on some degree of faith or at least what we understand to be faith. I mean, who here is 100% sure of the outcome of every decision they make? I'm not. I'm not raising my hands. Listen, faith plays such an important role in our everyday lives, and it's what I want to spend our time together talking about. What is faith? True biblical faith. What does it look like? Why is it important to live by this faith, and, and how can we? And, and to do this, we're going to be in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. And um, Hebrews chapter 11 is, is, is pretty much considered the authority on faith. It's, it's a chapter everyone goes to when they want to read up on, on faith and, and, and what it is. Um, but the, the entire book of Hebrews, uh, which is found in the New Testament, was written to a group of Jewish Christians. And it was written to them because during that time, you know, they were facing, um, you know, growing persecution uh, because of, of, of their beliefs and their faith and their practices. And they were beginning to wonder, man, is, is it worth it? Like, is being a follower of Jesus, is being a Christian really worth it? And so, so many of these Jewish believers were slipping back, kind of returning to their old ways of Judaism, just as a way to escape that persecution. 
And seeing this, the writer of Hebrews, Hebrews uh, writes this letter and addresses it to them as an exhortation to not turn back, right? Jesus is worth it. He is worth the trouble. So when we get to chapter 11, the writer addresses uh, this topic of, of faith. And, and it begins, no, the, the chapter begins with a description of faith. And uh, it's in your outline. It's on the screen behind me. It's Hebrews 11, 1, which says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So the faith is the substance of things hoped for. And some translations um, uh, use the word confidence or reality of what we hope for, the evidence or the proof, the assurance of things not seen. Now, most of us, if we're honest, make our decisions based on what we see first, right? We decide if we're going to do what God says on the front end because, because we see it. And the thought process is, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. But is this faith? Or is this us being controlled by our, our circumstances? See, are we waiting to see first before we obey first? I think true faith looks a little more like this. Check this out. Awesome, awesome. They don't make movies like that anymore. Let's give it a hand for uh, Indiana Jones and Sean Connery. So good, so good. True faith always precedes sight. See, to live by faith is to have confidence about an expectation without the visible proof that it's actually going to happen. Uh, but but where, where does that confidence come from? This confidence comes from the trust we have in the object of our faith. Because if we don't trust the object of our faith, then it's hard to say we've got faith in it. But the object of our faith is God. See, faith is not a feeling that we make up. It's our total response to what God has revealed in his word. Faith is our confident obedience to God's word in spite of circumstances and in spite of the results. Faith is the confidence and assurance that what is promised will be experienced. Faith is the conviction that what God has promised he will do, simply put, Faith is acting like God is telling the truth. So we get this description of faith in Hebrews 11.1, 1, and then the writer begins to, to run through this list, uh, a list of the life and, and the labors of, of great men and women of faith in, in the Old Testament. And this list has, uh, has, uh, has uh, become known as uh, the Hall of Faith. People call this list the Hall of Faith. Now, I'm sure you've heard of Hall of Fame. You're familiar with, with the Hall of Fame. I say the Hall of Fame, but it's really the Halls of Fame because, you know, we know there's more than one. But the, some of the ones we're familiar with, you know, the National Football League Hall of Fame, the, the, the Baseball Hall of Fame, the Basketball Hall of Fame are some of the more popular ones that people actually go visit. But there are actually hundreds 
of halls of fame for, for, for different areas. Did you know that there's a robot hall of fame? A robot hall of fame. And, um, you know, some of the inductees, not surprisingly, are uh, actually R2-D2 and C-3PO are inductees of this robot hall of fame. Uh, the two of NASA's uh, Mars rovers are inductees, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, the T-800 Terminator from the original Terminator movie is an inductee of this robot hall of fame. And also the Roomba, you know, the little uh, robot uh, vacuum cleaner. So those of you with a Roomba, listen, you got a hall of, fame, hall of fame inductee in your house. Yes, many, uh, many wives and homemakers uh, clapping for their hall of fame Roomba. But, but what purpose does a hall of fame serve? It serves as the ultimate example, the pinnacle, the best of the best. It exists that we never forget what was accomplished and achieved. It serves to us as a constant reminder. And that's the purpose of this hall of faith. One by one, the writer goes through the list of these heroes of the faith, and each time reminding us that by faith. And each section starts, you know, by faith Abel, and by faith Enoch, and by faith Abraham, and by faith Sarah, and by faith Moses, and that we may never forget that what was done through these people was done by their faith in God. So the writer gets through about 11 men and women of faith, and here's where we're going to pick it up uh, in verse 32, where he kind of comes uh, to this culmination uh, of that section. And uh, verse 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 32, it's in your outlines. We're going to start reading there. It says, and what more shall I say, for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, women received they're dead, raised to life again. If you stop there and give me your attention, the first thing we hear we learn is, is that by faith we experience God's miracles. By faith we experience God's miracles. And if we learn anything from the people listed here in these verses, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, we learn that God can use any of us. You see, you read these amazing things that these people were able to do by faith, these miraculous things. And, and here's the truth. These were ordinary people. By faith, doing ordinary things. If we read up on, on these people listed, uh, you know, these were people who were scared. They were weak. They ran from danger. Some gave in to their desires of the flesh. They committed adultery. They were bad fathers. They were rejected by their families. They made poor choices, had regrettable moments. These were flawed, flawed people. They had weak spots in their lives, areas that needed to grow and mature, character that needed to be developed and strengthened. But, but when the time came and they were willing to do what God told them to do and say what God told them to say and go where God told them to go, God recognized them for their faith, not their flaws. And I don't know who needs to hear this right now. You may be thinking, listen, Pastor Alex, listen, honestly, you don't know my past. You don't know what I've done. Um, I'm scared. I'm weak. My family's a mess. I haven't been a good father, a good mother. I haven't been a good son or, or daughter. You know, Pastor Alex, I, I, I've just wasted too much time. I'm ashamed of my past, and I'm just still trying to get out of this hole that I dug for myself. Listen, when you are willing to operate by faith and do what God tells you to do and say what God tells you to say and go where God tells you to go, God's going to recognize and reward you for your faith, not 
your flaws. And it is then that by faith you experience God's miracles. And by faith we believe it before we see it. Because our faith is not based on the circumstances or the results. Our faith is based on trusting God. The same God that stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, and raised the dead to life. But the, but the writer doesn't stop there. Right? After, after showing us all these incredible valiant acts and, and miracles performed by these people from faith, he takes a hard left turn. And this is what we read. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins being destitute afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth, and all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. You see, through this we understand that by faith we endure life's trials. By faith we endure life's trials. Who needs a miracle? Here today. I'm going to raise my hands. I think a lot of us can use a miracle in our lives. These others mentioned here, they needed a miracle. But when it didn't come, did it shake their faith or did it strengthen their resolve? See, there are some would say, and maybe you've heard this, maybe this has been said to you, or maybe at Maybe this is something that you've heard someone say to someone else. Maybe this is something you've said to someone else. If you're really a person of faith, right, if you really have faith, then God's going to give you prosperity here on earth. If you really have faith, God's going to deliver you from this mess. And if you really have faith, God's going to heal you from your sickness. And the belief uh, being that if you really have faith, that you wouldn't be going through whatever it is that you're going through. Friends, this is describing a false faith, a transactional faith, where the results become the evidence of your faith, where the results determine how much faith you had. This is wrong, and it is dangerous. God blesses, God prospers, God heals, and God delivers. Amen? You believe that? God blesses, prospers, heals, and delivers. And our faith hopes for that. It always Always hopes for that, but make, make no mistake about it. A faith that depends on the result is not faith. Heal me, and I'll have faith. Deliver me, and I'll have faith. Fix this, and I'll have faith. This is not faith. God absolutely is in the business of restoring, restoring the brokenness in our lives and in this world. But sometimes, and I have seen this firsthand, sometimes God lets the most faithful people go through absolute hell on this earth. And this is so important to understand because all too often, this is what we see. Someone's faith being judged by the results. When instead, we should be looking at their perseverance through difficult times. This is real faith just as much as shutting the mouth of a lion. Listen, I'll be honest. Uh, you know, these last two years, I've been witness to the faithful enduring trials more so than the faithful experiencing miracles. But here's what I believe. That some of you have been through trials so difficult and, and storms so bad that having the faith to endure 
endure them is, is the miracle. The book of James, chapter 1, verse 2 to 4, it says, Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Listen, it doesn't always work out. Some don't experience the miracle in this lifetime. They are still examples of faith. See, faith is measured in your relentless pursuit of God. It's measured in how you pursue him and trust him no matter the result. Because like we just read, you know, we saw one's, one group's faith being commended for these valiant and miraculous acts. And then we see another group's faith equally commended for enduring suffering. Both examples of the same faith in the same God. So as we close out chapter 11, the writer begins a new chapter and he starts off saying, therefore, and if, and if we were here last week with Pastor Bob, whenever we see therefore, we have to see what, what it's there for. And what it's doing here, it's a connecting this story. It's connecting all these heroes of the faith, whether they, whether they, whether they, they were valiant and by faith saw God's miracles or by faith endured, endured suffering and trials. We read this, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, this great cloud of witnesses are, are all these heroes of the faith. Those that by faith experienced miracles and the others that by faith endured trials. They're not just simply spectators. So when you see this cloud of witnesses, this isn't, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're in the arena and they're just kind of fans looking down on us. It's, it's so much more than that. They are our example. And, and here we're given the manual on how to best run this race. And when I say race in the Bible, the Christian life is likened to a race a few times throughout. And it's an appropriate comparison as long as we understand what kind of race we're actually running. Right? It's not a sprint. It's not a 100-yard dash. The Christian life is a marathon. And look, full disclosure, I've never run a marathon. Okay? That may shock some of you, but I've never run a marathon. I don't pretend to know what it takes uh, to run uh, a marathon. I have run shorter distance races and some obstacle course races, but never a full-on marathon. Actually, the last race I ran was, was an obstacle course race, uh, the Goliath Gauntlet um, that's done over at Sheridan House. Um, and it's one of those where, you know, it's across like three miles and there's tons of obstacles and you're climbing and jumping and swimming and doing all the stuff while, while running. And um, I had done it before under better physical um, conditions, uh, but this time, this last time I, I ran it, admittedly, I was not in the best uh, shape. Um, I was nowhere prepared to run, but I succumbed to the peer pressure of some friends who were in much better shape than I was and said, man, you got a couple months. You can figure it out. You know, start training now. You'll be ready for it. And I said, all right, let's do it. So I signed up, and listen, and once, you know, there's no refunds or anything, so I'm in. But listen, I, I, I did have a couple months to prepare, and I said, you know what, I'll start tomorrow. Right? I'll start preparing, I'll build up my endurance, build up my strength, and I'll get through it. 
Um, now, to be honest, I didn't start training until the race was literally a couple weeks uh, away. And you guessed it, it was ugly. It was ugly. I was winded and gassed as soon as I started. First thing I did was just get out of the gate. And I was like, whoa, too fast. Right? Because you feel it. You're like, man, I haven't made the first obstacle and I am huffing and puffing. And all I remember was thinking and praying was, God, please don't let me get hurt. You know, the last thing I need is like to call my wife. Hey, I'm in urgent care or I'm at the emergency room and just have to hear it. You know? But it was a complete disaster. And the truth is, with each obstacle that I faced, I was more and more exhausted. And I was like, why am I doing this? I'm regretting every second of this. I am so unprepared. And I, and I just became more and more exhausted, more tired, more done with it. And when it mercifully ended, I was just like, God, never again. Never again. But here's the truth. We are all in a race like that right now. And maybe you're getting to that third obstacle and it's an eight-foot wall. And you're like, what am I supposed to do with this? Like, how am I supposed to climb this, get over this, get through this? Like, I'm not prepared for this. I don't think I have the right shoes. Like, it's, that's the race that we're running. Some of us are running it with less preparation and training than others. But here's the good news. When I'm running that race, after like the second or third obstacle, I can be like, excuse me, uh, you know, race person, can I come back in about another month? You know, maybe prepare a little bit, and then finish the race? No. They're making me finish it right then and there. In this race, we have the opportunity to course correct, right? But we need to know how. And we're going to see how we can win this race of life through, through, these, uh, through these verses that we just read. See, in order to win the race of life, the first thing we need to do is run free. Run free. It says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We need to run free from the weight that hinders and holds us back. And we need to run free from the sin that ensnares and entangles. And these are two separate things. The first, these weights that hinder and weigh us down, these are not necessarily sin issues in our life. There are other issues in our life that aren't necessarily sin issues that are weighing us down and hindering us. What are these things in your life that you need to deal with maybe it's some friends that you know you still kind of hang out with they're friends from your past maybe a different past um, but now you you've got a different set of values a different set of beliefs and they don't necessarily share uh, those values maybe you need to look into finding some new friends and that's a harsh reality that some of us need to face maybe you've been working too hard and too long trying to make a living, and everything else about God has been completely squeezed out of your life. Or maybe the weight is financial debt. Maybe you just don't have the time and resources to serve and give like you want to. See, these are our weights that hinder and slow us down as we run this race. But besides those weights, it also talks about sin that ensnares. And when I think of the word ensnare, the first thing that comes to mind is a bear trap. I don't know how many of you are familiar with a bear trap, but it is a, a horrible, horrible device. Big metal, um, the, you know, the idea is a bear steps in it and these two, um, uh, these two clamps with, with like pointy things 
Yes, just come up and dig into the, into, the, into, into the leg of the bear. And if you can imagine being ensnared in a bear trap, and every time you try to get out, it just does more and more damage. Right? What's the one thing in your life where you would say, man, if I could just have victory over this one sin, man, I could really grow with God. I'm sure all of us can think of that one thing. It's like, man, if I had victory over this, it would be a game changer for me and my relationship with God. For you, that's the sin that ensnares. Is it greed? Is it disbelief? Is it lust? Is it unfaithfulness? Is it pornography? What's the sin stronghold keeping you from running this race to win? Don't let it go unaddressed. Once we identify it and we confess it, we ask for forgiveness and then we repent, looking for help and guidance and freeing ourselves from that sin. So in order to win this race of life, we got to run free. The second thing we have to do is run focused, run focused, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Now, when I started driving back in 92, I think it was, uh, my mom had just purchased a brand new Honda Civic. And in the course of about 18 months, um, I proceeded to crash that car three times. Um, uh, the worst, one was, only one was really my fault. The other two weren't. Um, but the worst was on the Palmetto. It's rush hour traffic. And, you know, I'm just kind of moving along, keeping an eye in front of me. And all it took was something to catch my eye. And I looked like this. And in the one second that I took my focus off of what was in front of me and turned my head back around. All I saw were red lights. And I hit the brakes, but it was too late. I slammed into the car that was in front of me. And listen, some of us are running this race just as distracted. You know, we're, we're putting, you know, we're going through the race of life, putting makeup on and driving with our knees. You know, I've seen, you know, maybe shaving, eating an epic muffin, texting, you know, scheduling meetings, all this when we need to be focused on what's in front of us because it only takes a second to lose focus and get distracted it says here that jesus is the author and finisher of our faith he is the reason for our faith and the fulfillment of our faith you see we began this race with him and we need to stay focused on him in order for him to see us through to the finish line so to win this race of life we run free we run focused and then number three we run like jesus run like Jesus who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God uh, author C.S. Lewis um, in his book Mere Christianity says this about faith it says to have faith in Christ means of course trying to do all that he says there would be no sense in saying you trusted a person if you would not take his advice Thus, if you have really handed yourself over to him, it must follow that you are trying to obey him, but trying in a new way, a less worried way. Not doing these things in order to be saved, but because he has begun to save you already. Not hoping to get to heaven as a reward for your actions, but inevitably wanting to act in a certain way because a first faint gleam of heaven is already inside you. See, we run like Jesus, he is our example. And how did he reach the finish line? It says here, who for the, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, 
despising the same. You see, for Jesus, the joy would come at the resurrection, the miracle, but the shame had to be endured on the cross. Jesus made it to the cross on Friday by keeping his eye on the resurrection that would come on Sunday. He is our example now sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. And friends, I don't know what trials you are going through. I, I don't know the suffering that you're enduring right now, but I do know that your day, my day, our day of victory is coming. Your resurrection day is coming if by faith, right, we, we, we run this race with endurance, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. Amen. Church, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that in Jesus we have the perfect example, Lord, of how to endure this race and run it to completion, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that our faith is not in, in something we can't place our trust in. Our faith is in you, God, the creator of this universe, Lord. The, the sun rises and sets because you say so. And we thank you, Lord, that we can trust in that. So I pray, Lord, that for all of us, Lord, who've, who've been struggling, Lord, to, to have faith in, 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 mo in life's difficult moments, that we can see the examples, Lord, you've, you've given to us of all these flawed and imperfect and sinful people, people just like us, Lord, that said enough was enough. I'm going to do what you want me to do, say what you want me to say, and go where you want me to go. And by faith, Lord, you use them, Lord, to perform miracles. You use them, Lord, to... Um, to do things, Lord, that, that people would look on and wonder and say, how in the world can someone do something like that? Lord, it's by, it's, by, it's by that faith in you. So, Lord, I pray, Lord, you would strengthen our faith, faith, Lord, that we can truly examine what it is that's holding us back, Lord, from running this race with endurance, Lord. Whatever that weight is, whatever that sin is, Lord, the first thing on our list, Lord God, should be to give that over to you. Lord, to truly confess and, and ask for forgiveness and, and repent. Lord, knowing that you are ready and waiting to meet us there, Lord, and help us. Help us, Lord, as we run this race, Lord. Lord, and for those of us that are going through, Lord, times that uh, we never thought we'd have to go through. Lord, we pray, Lord. That through our faith, Lord God, uh, through your example, and through our complete trust in you and the revelation of your word and the fulfillment of your promises, Lord, we can hold on. We can hold on, Lord, for that day, that day of victory, that day of resurrection, whether in this lifetime or the next, Lord God. We hope for that. We place our trust in you and our trust in that fulfilled promise. We thank you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we say amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If today you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's one of the best decisions you've ever made. And we as a church want to help you with your next steps. You see, we have a free gift we'd like to give you. And in order for you to receive that gift, all you have to do is visit mycalvary.com forward slash begin. Don't forget to tune in next week for our next podcast. God bless you.